Hello and welcome to Mon the Workers, a podcast brought to you by the Scottish Trades Union Congress. I'm Rachel Thompson. And I'm Karina Liptrot. And in today's episode, we are talking about child poverty and universal free school meals for pupils in Scotland. Under current legislation, pupils from primary one up to primary five enjoy free school meals. However, the STC Women's Committee and many anti-poverty groups feel that this doesn't go far enough and want the initiative extended to all pupils right up to S6 in secondary school. Free school meals for all helps families struggling with money by providing a basic meal for their children without extra costs. Universal free school meals helps pupils do better in school, allowing them to have a full stomach so they can concentrate more in class. We're joined by Andrea Bradley, Chair of the STC Women's Committee and STC Policy Officer Erin McCauley. Thanks so much for being here. Hello, hi. Hi. Hi, Did anyone here get free school meals in school? Yeah, I did. I did as a child. Uh, That was in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and I remember at that time that they were administered by the teacher asking who who's for a free dinner today. And the kids in the class who were entitled to free school meals put their hands up and they came out to the teacher's desk and picked up a little brown ticket. And I would say at that time that was probably a third to half the class um, who, who were um, entitled to that. But I remember the kind of burning embarrassment of that even although there were you know quite a few kids in the class who were in the same you know category as me in terms of need I remember it just being embarrassing and uh, a bit humiliating having to go out and stand at the teacher's desk collect that ticket carry it with you to the dinner hall at lunchtime and hand over to whoever was collecting dinner tickets that day whether it be a um, a, a monitor you know a primary seven monitor or one of the the, the dining room staff uh, at that time but it wasn't a nice feeling as a child I, I remember it still very vividly yeah I remember it I had it in uh, in secondary school in the mid-2000s and it was a little card that they'd preload money on every day you had a certain amount to spend and I remember I was so embarrassed to pull it out at the till and because it was so obvious like the kids who would just get given cash from their parents and then the kids had the free school meals and uh, even now I still remember that like that burning shame like you said it's awful. Yeah just very similar to Andrea as well and yourself can you know that yeah, I had free school meals all, all my school life and um, I guess seen some of the progress in terms of the cards that you were talking about and some teachers who did their absolute best to try and shield people from that stigma and embarrassment and shame but absolutely, despite those best efforts by teachers, um, still felt the shame and embarrassment and it was very obvious, particularly at secondary school, I think it was probably more obvious. Just looking at the stats today, Erin, how many children in Scotland are in poverty and what kind of challenges are they facing? In Scotland, about 1.1 million people are estimated to live in poverty and about a quarter of them are, are young people. And I think it's really important to remember that that's, that's now, but that, you know, it's unacceptable in Scotland that poverty exists. We're one of the, the richest countries in the world. Um, so there's about 1.1 million people living in Scotland. That's an estimated average. Um, and um, some of those young people are actually in working households. And I think that's really important to, to understand as well. Um, and that's absolutely deepened because of COVID and the cost of living crisis. 
but Scotland had unacceptably high levels of poverty well before you know, COVID even came about, the cost of living even came about, um, which is which is shameful, actually. Um, so, yeah, the, the consequences are, are really significant on people's lives, on people's outcomes, on their educational outcomes, on their health outcomes, on how they experience day-to-day living. Andrea, before becoming General Secretary of the EIS, you were a teacher yourself. Um, what was your experience of witnessing um, child poverty and child hunger firsthand? So I taught in an area of um, deprivation, um, albeit it was a you know pretty mixed area. There were some young people from affluent families who also attended our school. It was probably um, tr- relatively truly comprehensive, you know, in that sense of the word. Um, but there were um, young people who were coming from parts of the community where the poverty was really obvious. Um, you know, really poor housing, um, parents struggling in terms of uh, employment, low income, etc. Um, and young people. People um, often, uh, you know, would uh, present um, as being um, hungry, um, and that, that was at secondary school. Even at secondary school, young people presenting uh, in that way, but also very, very proud. I remember a child um, whose mother had died and whose father um, had been left on his own to, to look after four children and they lived in a, in a, a part of the, the community that was really um, racked uh, with, with poverty. And um, it came to a, a school trip, um, a, the annual school trip to Alton Towers. Now, the school understood that that boy's circumstances were such that the family couldn't afford to cover the cost of the trip, so they paid that for him but hadn't understood the bit about him having no money to spend throughout the course of the day. And there was always provision on school trips, um, you know, that were all day trips for the kids who had free school meal entitlements, and that boy did have free school meal entitlements. But the free school meals were passed out to the kids in little brown bags, and they were put in the boot of the bus, and as the kids were getting off the bus, they were prompted by the teachers to pick up their, their free school meals, and all of that was done with the best of intentions. But Lots of the kids wouldn't take the little brown bags because of the stigma that you know that that blatantly um, you know carried for them, and I think it was really evident for me um, of the the lengths that young people will go to to hide the fact that they and their families are poor and that they are reliant on that kind of that kind of um, benefit if you if you like and that's the reason why the women's committee has been campaigning for universalism of provision so that you do not have circumstances like that whereby a child is going for literally hours and hours and hours without eating rather than um, suffer the embarrassment of taking one of those little brown bags which were full of nutritious food um, you know in front of their in front of their peers yeah well, would you like to tell us a bit about the campaign, what it called and how it came about? Uh, yeah, so Andrea's um, started to sort of introduce the, the campaign. Um, so the Women's Committee have been um, campaigning around universal free school meals. Um, and actually the STC and I know other education unions, the IS in particular, have been campaigning for universal free school meals for, for some time. It was actually one of the first... STC archives was to campaign for for free school meals in Scotland but um, more recently the committee have been um, campaigning for the expansion of universal free school meals Um, and the the campaign um, theme or title rather is called Food for Thought um, making real the right to food fun and education and although the campaign absolutely is concerned with tackling or mitigating hunger and poverty 
it's actually, you know, more than that. It's about, you know, young people's rights um, and accessing those rights. Um, it's about socialisation of food um, and and having a, a good experience of, of accessing that as well. So absolutely, the campaign um, is a measure to tackle hunger, but it's also, it's, it's more than that. It's rooted in rights. It's rooted in children's rights um, and also the socialisation of food and the health benefits that a universal approach um, would would um, benefit. And as Andrea said, there you know there be there be um, schools or or initiatives that will that have been brought forward to try and alleviate that stigma. But there's absolutely still still barriers there, which Andrea Andrea's um, outlined. So um, the campaign, you know, Andrea may want to expand on it, um, but has been well supported by. Um, lots and lots of third sector organisations, the Children's Parliament, the Youth Parliament, all trade unions in Scotland. Um, and I think some of the arguments around universalism have been won. But the challenge um, at the moment is the implementation and the commitment for expansion at senior senior phase. Um, that seems to be where a lot of the, the barriers are in terms of um, getting that commitment from Scottish Government and, and support. But I think the the concept and the benefits of universalism um, are 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 welcome um, from some places, um, but there's definitely um, a fight ahead for the implementation at senior phase. Yeah, or or more specifically, secondary. Yeah, uh, that's really it's from S one to S six um, because the the Scottish government so far has only made provision for uh, universal free school meals um, to primary seven, and even at that, we know there's an extended delay um, in terms of rollout to primary six and primary seven. We're, we're we're not looking at seeing that now until 2026, which is far too far off um, for for our liking, given that we are um, still in the midst of a cost of living crisis that is biting very hard um, on the you know the incomes of of already uh, hard pressed families. Yeah. Since the campaigns begun, um, what progress have you seen so far from government and from schools? We saw in the the 2021 Scottish Parliament elections, the, the, the lead up to that, um, various manifesto commitments being made around free school meals provision. Um, and we think that that was in large part down to the campaigning that, that was undertaken by the Women's Committee um, along alongside allies that, that Erin's already referenced. Um, so we, we saw that as a real as a real win um, in the in the. Um, Local government elections in the in the subsequent year, we saw various um, candidates um, pledge their support for free school meals provision, and we've seen actually in in some individual local authorities real progress. So, for example, just in the last six months, Inverclyde Council looked at its data uh, and worked out that it could afford to provide universal free school meals for all primary aged pupils, not to wait for the Scottish government rollout of the funding. They they judged that really that was far too long to wait. Um, and saw that the, I suppose, the detriments that, that would occur um, as a result of waiting were just too costly, and so they found the money to feed the, you know, to feed their their, their young people right up to primary seven, and have been doing that for a number of months now, and I think that that, that is really to be commended. So as Erin was saying, the arguments around, you know, why young people should receive a nutritious meal every day at school, they've been won. Yeah. The arguments as to why this should be done on a universal basis to avoid stigma um, and to avoid young people falling through the cracks 
those arguments have been won, but there does continue to be frustration that the Scottish Government has put the brakes on, on progress. Uh, and it says that part of the reason for that is because local authorities um, and their school estates don't have the adequate space and facilities in terms of canteens, kitchens, you know, all the knives, forks, plates, spoons, all of that kind of thing. You know, that they, they need time to get that in place. And what, what we've said is, OK, there might be some practical barriers um, around that kind of thing. In the meantime, go for a cash-first approach, mm -hmm. such as we saw local authorities do under the emergency circumstances of the, the pandemic when schools were closed and young people couldn't couldn't get their free school meal entitlements, um, mm -hmm. you know, whether they were means-tested or, or being provided on a universal basis. So we said go for a cash-first cash option so that the families, all families... Um, who've got school-aged young people can have the money in their in their bank accounts and they can make arrangements for their children to have either packed lunches or go out to the high street along with their pals so that they get all the social benefits of, of eating with their friends uh, at lunchtime. So we think there are solutions that, that could and should uh, have been found before now, particularly given that the previous First Minister declared this cost of living crisis a humanitarian emergency, nothing short of that. Um, and we would say that in emergency circumstances then a crisis response needs to be mustered and so far the Scottish Government just hasn't done that um, as, as far as free school meals provision um, has been concerned. I think just on, on some of the wins as well, just to, to extend on, on what Angie's outlined, that the campaign has been a springboard for putting this back on the political agenda, mm -hmm. that perhaps there has been organisations, unions, people that have supported the concept of free school meals for years but I think over the past couple of you know years, because of the Women's Committee, this has absolutely become an issue that's became high on the policy and political agenda. And you know, there's been question after question, lobbying after lobbying that the, the SUC Women's Committee have um, you know supported, engaged with, and, and developed. And I think that's been really essential. We've been monitoring budgets closely, questions closely, engaged in a whole host of activity. Um, and actually, you know, the growth of support from organisations in Scotland to this campaign is telling. And I think also there has been um, there's been some developments and some progress across the rest of the UK as well. Um, and, and colleagues across the UK have have came to the STC to ask about our campaign um, as well. So I think that um, whilst there has been people that have supported the concepts of free school meals for some time. I think in the past four years, the STC Women's Committee have played a significant role on keeping this on the Scottish Government agenda, building that pressure. Yes, the progress has not been as quick as what um, we would have liked it to 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 be, and we would like it to be. But I think keeping it on the agenda um, has been, you know, the role of this campaign has been absolutely critical. And I think in the, you know, just to, to echo some of what Erin was saying there, I think in the early stages of um, the the current First Minister, having taken office, he began to signal perhaps a, a bit of a rollback in terms of Scottish Government commitments to universalism. Um, and because of the, the very swift uh, and unequivocal reaction by the Women's Committee and other supporters of this campaign, um, that was very, very quickly rectified um, by the, the Deputy First Minister, or clarified by the Deputy First Minister, I think it was the very next day, that there would be no such um, dilution of the Scottish Government's commitments to the rollout of, of universal free school meals. Um, and I think that we have to keep 
we, we can't take our eye off the ball mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, we know that, that, that the Scottish Government um, is under some financial pressure. Um, of course, it all comes down to decisions that they you know that they wish to, to make and take um but you know they, they they don't perhaps have the the size of budget that they would wish in order to be able to attend to all of the priorities that that, that there are um so we do have to keep our eye um on this particular campaign and objective to make sure that it doesn't slip uh, whatsoever that the the milestone that we're looking to now is is august 2026 for universal rollout to um primary six and primary seven um, if it can come faster than that then then, you know, that, that would be all to the good and we will certainly be keeping the pressure up in that regard. Uh, but we certainly don't want it to slip any further, um, you know, into the sort of like future than, than um, August 2026, which, as we've already said, is really far, far too slow. Um, Erin, how can, if someone's listening at home right now and think that they want to support the campaign or get involved, how would you get them involved? How, what, would, what would be the best for them to do? So there's lots of ways to get involved and a good starting point is if you do have access to um, technology or um, internet, then we do have a dedicated campaign site that um, gives you all of those answers in terms of how you can get involved. There's some downloadable posters that perhaps you could take to your workplace, mm -hmm. to your trade union, um, to your community group. There is a, an ongoing e-action there as well to, to the First Minister. Um, there's some shareable resources, educational tools that you could download, and ultimately as well is to build the pressure in your own, you know, your own community. Have that conversation at your school. Have that conversation at your workplace. Have it at your family dinner yourselves when you're you're sitting, you know, having your own dinner. Um, and 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 help us with any sort of collective, you know, actions that we do take. But you know, any pressure from the community, from the community, from a local aspect is, is really really good. But, you know, that website is, um, is, a, is a good starting point. Um, and having that conversation around school, school meals is also, you know, a really good starting point to get involved. Um, and we're always looking for organisations that are not um, formally signed up to support the campaign um, and to be added to the supporters group. Um, and they will get information about, you know, supporters meetings, campaign groups, any sort of collective actions. Um, so... Hopefully, um, if you're interested in supporting, then we'd obviously love you to, to be part of that. Yeah, and if you look in the show notes, we'll have the website there so you can visit it. Okay, thank you so much for joining us, Erin and Andrea. It's been a real pleasure and best of luck with the campaign. Thanks for listening to Among the Workers, a podcast brought to you by the Scottish Trade Union Congress. Today's episode was presented by Karina Liptraw and Rachel Thompson. To find out more about the STUC, visit our social media channels where our username is at ScottishTUC.